vous êtes à l'écoute de idiecmo.com avec Joe Belezzo et... Je et... Vous êtes à l'écoute de idiecmo.com avec Joe Belezzo et Zach Shiner. Ah, J'ai toujours pour dire Jack. Non, non, not good. Vous, OK, I know, I know. Vous êtes à l'écoute de idiecmo.com avec Joe Belezzo et Zach Shiner. Et Jack Shiner. OK. One last time. One last time. OK. One last time. Vous êtes à l'écoute de idiecmo.com avec Joe Belezzo et Zach Shiner. Welcome to the ED ECMO podcast, episode 21. I'm Joe Belezzo. And I'm Zach Shiner. <laughs> <laughs> Around the world, this is going to be a look at the world of ED ECMO with a focus on Vienna. But first, I have a few announcements. Zach, what's coming up? Reanimate San Diego. Tell me about it. February 25th and 26th, 2016, we are going to teach you how to put somebody on the pump. And the registration is live, live at reanimateconference.com. Reanimateconference.com, all one word, reanimateconference.com. Around the world, in ECMO. Joe, what's going on in the U.S.? Uh, you know, here we've been doing ECMO for decades for cardiac arrest patients, for uh, tox patients, for hypothermia, for uh, cardiogenic shock, but mostly in the intensive care units in the operating room. And it's just recently that we've started transitioning ECMO into the emergency department. That's exactly what we do, and that's the focus of the ED ECMO podcast. But, Zach, tell us what's going on in the rest of the world. Well, the last few months we've been putting a couple different podcasts up. We talked about France and Paris, where they're doing pre-hospital ECMO, maybe that's the future. We talked about the Save J group out of Japan, where we're having groups of hospitals getting together and doing ECMO in a collective fashion, showing benefit over traditional standard care. We've got in Australia, Bernard. Yeah. Cheer trial. Our friends down there. So they're taking cardiac arrest. They're doing this bundled therapy, waiting 30 minutes with hypothermia, mechanical chest compressions, and putting some smaller cannulas in. We're going to see if that works better or not. We don't know. And then kind of finally here, we're talking about Prague. Prague is going to be a really cool trial if they get this up and running where they're going to compare a true RCT of does ECMO work versus does it not work versus standard therapy. So this last fall, Zach, you and I were at the American Heart Association conference in Chicago, and you had the opportunity to sit down with Andreas Schober. Andreas is an emergency physician, disaster medicine specialist, and internal medicine specialist uh, out of Vienna, Austria, and pretty fantastic interview, Zach. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, super cool guy, totally chill. He just got this RCT that we're going to talk about, but just great guy. Yeah, now these guys have been doing emergency department ECMO for the past 10 years, mostly in hypothermic patients, intoxications, and in their cardiogenic shock patients. Since only recently they started doing ECMO for CPR, and that's some really cool stuff. Okay, without further ado, on to the podcast. 
Hello, Edie ECMO. I am here with some of the greatest minds in ECMO and actually a fellow listener of Edie ECMO, Andreas Schrober from Vienna. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Zach. Very happy to be here and very happy to be on your blog, which is fantastic, by the way. We are at AHA. We're in Chicago. I've just found so many amazing people here and Andreas is one of them. He is in Vienna and they are doing a few things that I want to talk about. Probably the biggest thing is that they have just undertaken the panacea, the thing that we've all been waiting for, and that is a randomized control trial. Andreas, tell us about that. So that's a very, very interesting thing that we're doing right now, I hope at least. We planned it for about three years. I started planning it in 2010, actually, and we had a long transition phase planning and training. But now two weeks ago, we started enrolling patients. I'm still waiting for the first call for the first patient. I'm, I'm actually a bit nervous for that call. We want to randomize 20 versus 20 patients. 20 get standard treatment on the scene. And 20 will be transported to our emergency department in Vienna and will be put on ECMO at the emergency department. And consecutively, they go to the cath lab. Okay, so let's let's just kind of break this down. This is a randomized control trial describing whether patients do the load and go versus the stay and play. That that notion gets challenged with the use of ECMO, and so they're now implementing this idea that with a certain patients that these guys would instead of working them up at the scene, they would transport them to the hospital to undergo ECMO. Tell us about the criteria that you're using for that. That's a very important question and they have to have cardiac arrest for at least 15 minutes of advanced life support because we calculate it usually it takes about 8 to 10 minutes until the EMS system is there, until the emergency physician, which we have in Austria, is there. And then another additional 15 minutes of advanced life support should be 25 minutes to give patients a fair chance to gain ROSC if they can and to be early enough to put them on the ECMO if they don't. The other criteria would be ventricular fibrillation as first ECG and bystander CPR. So they all have to have basic life support. They all have to have ventricular fibrillation and they have to be younger than 75 years. So you have come up with this criteria. How did you get this criteria? What what were the studies you used or what made you go into the decision about 15 minutes as far as the, the time to take them to the hospital? So I think if you look at the literature so far, people were very careful. They tried to use patients in their in their preliminary trials. They tried to treat patients who are not too old, who are maybe not too old for transplantation, not too old for an LVAT. Um, so the criteria that the above age limit of 75 is is more out of experience and a bit out of fear not to have options for the patients afterwards. And the other criteria of VF and, and basic life support is as well in the literature because we want to have patients who have a good chance of survival with ECMO. We want a, uh, a good chance for them. And if they wouldn't have basic life support, proper basic life support, then this chance would diminish and not even ECMO could save them afterwards. I think the first links in the chain of survival are really important if you want to do some complex intensive care procedures afterwards and have a good results with them. So yes, I mean, that's it's like the $100 million question. You know, when do you transport? When is that sweet spot? When you don't want to take them too early. I mean, if you want to make sure that they have an opportunity at least to get ROSC in the field if they're going to come back. And so we're sort of using these refractory cases and 15 minutes might be the right answer because I, I, that still gets you to the ER 
in enough time where you can put them on the pump. Now, we just talked to Dr. Lamho as far as doing pre-hospital ECMO, and that sounds like one potential way to to correct that gap, that gap of when do we transport, when do we actually have this lower level of care where we put them in the ambulance and they're potentially not getting as good chest compressions and certainly they're not getting the amount of attention that they would at the scene or in the ED. And so 15 minutes is what you're using. Now, I'd like to hear just how did you get the the medics and the the EMS directors and all these people on board for you to to start doing this? Uh, This was actually quite a lot of organizational effort. And we are very lucky in Vienna because all the people from the EMS, the people in the hospital, the other disciplines, the cardiac surgeons, the cardiac technicians, they're all very motivated to help us. And we managed to get them all in the same room and talk to each other to actually find out that everybody has the same goal. Everybody wants to help the patients. And especially for the EMS people, I think it was very frustrating to see that they have a huge effort for cardiac arrest patients and fairly small outcome in terms of neurological intact survival. So for them, they really they put a lot of tears and sweat into that. And they are very happy for, for the possibility of improving patients' outcomes. So they really they like to do it with us. They, they really like to, to participate in the study. But it took us quite some time, of course, to get everybody on the same table and, and talk it out. Okay, so let's talk about nuts and bolts. Let's talk about what you're doing so far. So tell me about your survivorship. Tell me about what's going on in your emergency room. And, and even more, speak to this about who's running the machines in your ER. Who's putting the cannulas in? So I think we developed quite over time. So the department, we started the department in, in 1991, which was obviously before my time there. And ECMO has always been there. We In the beginning, we had a lot of hypothermic patients because we attracted them, let's say. Um, and this was one of our first experiences in rewarming hypothermic cardiac arrest patients with ECMO. So all our senior attendings, they have decade-long experience already. So it was always there. It's just that we are transitioning to new Patients. We are transitioning to cardiac arrest patients from cardiac cause, which is new for us. We, we kind of developed from, from hypothermia and, and intoxications and cardiogenic shock now to cardiac arrest of cardiac cause. We do it together with our cardiac surgeons, the cannulation process. Mostly we do it percutaneously these days. We rarely have to cut down. Uh, it is actually, it doesn't really matter who is there. It is if the cardiac surgeons have time and, and usually if they have time, they're here before the patients are because we call them as soon as we know that the patient will come to our department under um, CPR. So usually they are there before the patient and then we do it somehow together. We assist the surgeons. They assist us. It's really, it's a very nice team. And if they don't have time or for, for any other reason, we have to do it by ourselves. We do it by ourselves as well, percutaneously, which is for an ED physician, I think with critical care, it's a big deal, but it's, it's possible. If you're, if you're trained in selling a technique, I think it's, it's okay to do that. Okay. So did you hear that? For all of you out there, we have this question come up all the time. How do I get it from having to call a CT surgeon who's home asleep or is up operating? How do I get it from that phase to the phase where I am doing it? The intensivist is doing it. The emergency room doctor doing it. The anesthesiologist is doing it. The internal medicine doctor is doing it. How, that transition. It can occur, and here it is, Andreas saying it right now, that they initially had their cardiac surgeons doing this, but with time, 
They gained experience with them. They gained trust with them. And now Andreas is in the phase of doing randomized control trials for load and go versus stay and play. It's an amazing transition. So for all of you out there asking that same question, here's an example of how those relationships are just so important. Okay, so final question here. Andreas, you are doing ECMO. Tell me about the type of pump you are using and tell me about your your difficulties in cannulation with these patients. So we are using different setups right now. We are using a cardio help pump from McKay. Um, we have heparin-coated tubings and heparin-coated cannulas. And usually we use to, to do ultrasound to estimate the vessel size and, and then fit the cannulas as big as possible. That's our setup right now. Considering side effects or potential things that can go wrong, there are quite many. What we've seen so far is that you have to be very careful on transportation with people on ECLS or ECMO because if you go to the cath lab, if you go to the CT scan, there's a lot of replacing the patient, a lot of turning the patient, so you have to be very careful with that. Uh, we once dislocated a cannula, an arterial cannula, and this is quite a big mess, very fast, so you have to be quick with the clamps and then you're in a CPR situation again. So this is really something which you don't want to happen. Apart from that, of course, you have all the intensive care, ECMO-related problems like coagulopathy. Almost all of the patients have it, but I think we are already partially and we will be fully able to treat that if we fully understand it, which will take some time still. And there is these questions which we don't have answers yet when you have coronary intervention in the patient on ECMO after cardiac arrest. Do they get antiplatelet therapy? Do they get heparin and when and how much? So there's still a lot of things that we have to find out. But overall, I have to say the things that can go wrong are rare and they are so much outweighed by what have we seen in benefits for patients who would been who would have been dead otherwise so i think it's a risk worth taking yeah fantastic i mean i've i personally have screwed up pretty much every way you can do it in ecmo and we have, we have one patient that got decannulated as well so yeah stuff happens and but like you said the, the benefits have just far outweighed the risk and on these patients that you were going to pronounce them anyway so these are these are lives saved and just talking with andreas just makes me see once again that this is happening all around the world and that, you know, the problems are more common than they are different. All right, so that's the interview. Joe, what are your take-home points from it? Here's what I took home from that. First, you know, we're in various stages of doing ECMO all around the world. You know, ER doctors are now getting involved with doing it, and every country seems to be in a different stage of where they are in implementation of ECMO. And, and man, we've learned a lot over the past several months about what's going on. This episode focused on Vienna's new and upcoming randomized control trial, and it's just an exciting time for us to finally see that what we really need, which are randomized control trials. Now, a couple of things that I pulled out of that interview as well that I thought were really cool were that first, uh, you know, Dr. Schober's team, they've been doing ECMO for over a decade. And, you know, in other indications, uh, hypothermia and intoxications and cardiogenic shock. And so they've got a lot of experience working as a team with their cardiothoracic surgeons. And that brings up the next point, right? And that is that relationships are clearly the most important thing here. The big hang-up that most people have in implementing an emergency department ECMO program is that there is this turf war over who gets to place cannulas and who gets to initiate ECMO. And most of the time, that's between the uh, intensivist or emergency room doctor and between the CT surgeons. And they have developed a 
program there where they're working hand in hand with their with their CT surgeons where you know whoever's there first when the arresting patient arrives gets to start the cannula placement and the other doc acts as the assistant and I think that's just a fantastic idea both of these things are pretty much backwards from what, how we did it. I mean, we've gone cardiac arrest, and now we're just kind of toying into cardiogenic shock. And we had our CT surgeons all on board from the beginning, but it just shows different places, different institutions are going to have different ways to get to the final goal. Yeah. And the last thing that I took home from your interview with Dr. Schober was that the RCT is where we want to go, but really where, what is going to be the ultimate goal? Is it, is it going to be load and go or is it going to be stay and play? Coming next month, podcast 22, Cage Match. Load and go versus stay and play. I'm going to take on Belezo and he's going down. Welcome to ED ECMO, episode 21, Around the World. What's going on in the world of ECMO with a bit of a focus on Vienna, France? Vienna, Austria, perhaps Vienna, Japan. I'm a moron. Fuck.